Chapter 57. As I drive out of the Holland Tunnel into Manhattan in the middle of the night, now ten years later, torrential rain turns my windshield into a waterfall. The car's wipers are swishing back and forth as best they can, but the powerful storm is winning the battle, making it tough to see the sparse traffic in a rain-soaked Canal Street. It's hours before sunrise, and only garbage trucks and delivery vans are out in the stormy weather. After driving all night, my eyes look drowsy in the car's mirror. I pull over and turn off the engine, enjoying the spectacle of lightning bolts slicing through the dark clouds above. I close my eyes and listen to the rain pounding the car like thousands of little hammers, interrupted by occasional cracks of thunder. It was the perfect soundtrack to my thinking incessantly about Lev, Marina, Nicholas, and Tractor, and what was going to happen next. Startled by the commotion outside, Louisa awoke, putting her naked arms and legs around me and snuggling her head under my chin. I heard Louisa's tender voice whispering into my ear as if reading my thoughts. I know how much you want to help your dissidents, darling, but you can't take matters into your own hands. Really, you can't. Who else is going to act, I ask? What if these people are as bad as Lev says they are? It's too dangerous. If we get scared of them and do nothing, they win. Let the authorities do their work. And I just observe from the sideline, get on with my life and pretend that nothing happened, that Marina didn't call me and ask for help, that Vasya isn't in jail or an asylum, and I never went to Russia and befriended these people. Tell me what you think I should do. No reason to get agitated with me, she says, staring at me with love in her sleepy eyes. Sorry, my darling, I say. The world needs more Vasyas than Levs. They're heroes to me, to many others. If I don't help them out, what good am I to anyone who stands up for freedom? It's time to be counted, too. Louisa looked deeply into my eyes, then put her cheek tight against mine. She was silent, but I felt the interior battle going on between her heart and mine. Please don't worry, my love, I whispered softly. I know what I'm doing. You won't take a single step without me, promise? All right. Promise? Yes, I promise. You're the craziest man I've ever met. Let's make love on our little boat in the storm. She purred irresistibly, closed her eyes, and pressed her lips to mine. The love-making sounds we made drowned out the storm pounding outside. Early the next morning, the telephone rang, and I picked it up quickly so as to not disturb Louisa. It was Nicholas. We exchanged pleasantries, and then he dropped the bad news. Luke, the State Department doesn't want to criticize Russia or the Eastern Bloc countries because they're trying to integrate them into what they call the European home. My contact there even used an Eisenhower quote to justify their position. You know the one. If we are not making peace possible, we are making war inevitable. Nicholas, that was not Eisenhower. It was JFK, and what he said was this. Those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. So those assholes at state don't get it. They won't lift a finger. They don't want to get involved, Luke. And we don't have any recourse in the courts. They say all those Russian businessmen Lev talked about are legit. Legit? You know they're not. What bullshit? Look, I can work on political exile visas for Vasi's wife and kid. I know people in the embassy in Moscow. Getting his wife and child out won't be a problem. Him? I don't know. I need more time. 
We don't have more time. We need to do something now. I'm working on it, Luke. Why don't you do your part and write a recommendation for IS, detailing all Vasya's political persecutions, the prisons where he's been, the papers his group has published. It'll help me to speed up Marina's case. There was a long pause of silence, but Nicholas must have heard the sound of steam coming out of my ears. And Luke, please lie low. What do you mean? Don't do anything stupid, like playing Sherlock Holmes. You think I don't know you? Let's talk soon, okay? No, not okay, I began to say. Nick, wait. The line went dead and he was gone without a goodbye. I hung up the receiver and stared at the telephone in silent rage. I peeked into the bedroom to see if Louisa was still asleep. She was. Then I dialed Masha's number and asked to speak to Lev. Here's what I found out, says Lev. My friends tell me Tractor has an office on 10th Avenue. His company is called Petrogas Consulting Partners. And no one can get inside the building because it has security guards that stop everyone. The Tractor has breakfast alone at 7 a.m. every morning at a place nearby on West 33rd Street. It's called Paris Cafe. Good work. That's excellent, I said in a low voice. Lev, meet me at the corner of 33rd and 10th Avenue tomorrow morning at 6.30 sharp. Park your delivery van on the street side of the avenue, okay? I'll be waiting there for you. Please, don't tell your cousins where you're going, and not a word about any of this to Nicholas or Louisa either. It's going to be just you and me, okay? Luke, you sure you know what you're doing? Tractor is a very dangerous man. I just want to talk to him. Don't worry, you can't do anything in this country. Shouldn't we call the police just in case? No police, I said firmly. They won't do anything because we don't have any evidence, at least not yet. We'll be fine. Lev paused, taking a moment to reflect, and then said, Okay, Luke, I'll be there. I've never done anything like this before. Are you kidding? You fought these people in your own country. That's more dangerous than what we're doing. Luke, are you bringing a gun? I don't own a gun. I'm a lawyer. I don't need one. We have laws in America, Lev, and a constitution. And on top of our Supreme Court building, it says equal justice for all. I thought everybody in America carries a gun. I hate guns, Lev. Tractor has one, that's for sure. Chapter 58 What happened next was crazy and unexpected. Louisa had worked to do at her apartment and didn't stay with me that night. So I didn't have to tell her what I was up to or involve her in anything risky. At the crack of dawn on that cold, gray day, I took the one train down to 34th and walked over to 10th Avenue. It was too early for the usual buzz of commuters, pedestrians, cars, and buses on 34th. Light, persistent rain was falling, and an eerie silence blanketed the city. The cold wind that was blowing through the canyons of Manhattan chilled me to the bone. While I waited for Lev next to a mountain of uncollected garbage bags, I scoped out the Paris Café notice a black door for deliveries that opened onto an alleyway behind the place. Lev arrived right on time, parking Masha's kosher deli van in a loading zone. I crossed to the driver's side of the van and Lev stepped out, looking pale and unshaven. His eyes were red, surrounded by swollen bags that tell me he hadn't slept at all that night. You all right, I asked. Lev lit up a cigarette and didn't respond. After a couple of drags, he finally looked me in the eyes. Luke, you sure about this? Yes, I am. Everything will be fine. Sorry, I was just thinking. Suddenly, I saw a taxi stop right behind the kosher deli van. 
Luisa stepped out of the taxi wearing a pair of tight-fitting black pants, a leather jacket, and cowboy boots. My face must have signaled my surprise because when I turned to Levy, said, I didn't tell her, I swear. Luisa walked up to us with a devilish smile. We agreed, she said, that you aren't going to do anything without me, remember? I remember, I said. So, this is nothing. Really? Well, love doesn't think it's nothing. I turned to Lev, irritated. So you did call Luisa? Lev didn't answer me. He was pacing back and forth on the sidewalk in agitated thought. No, Luke, said Luisa with a wry smile. Lev didn't tell me what was up. Masha did. Lev told his cousin where he was going with her truck, and I wanted to join the party. Thanks, my love. You're welcome. Lev stopped pacing and says abruptly, Doesn't this situation look crazy to you, Luke? You and me trying to talk to Tractor? We need to confront that jerk, otherwise they get away with whatever they want. Okay, okay, interrupted Louisa. We're all here now. Let's get our ducks in a row. What's the plan? It's changed a little. Louisa, you drive the van. Lev, give her the keys. You wait until 7.15 and then go around the block and park near the back door to the diner. Wait for us there. Lev and I will go in, get a table, and wait for Tractor to order breakfast. We'll approach him while he's eating, get information on Vasya's whereabouts, and ask him to help us get Vasya released. Then we walk out through the kitchen, hop in the van, and we're gone. Plain and simple. Lev lit up another cigarette and started puffing maniacally. He looked worried. I'll do the talking, but I need Lev with me in case this Tractor guy pretends that he doesn't understand English. And why on earth do you think this guy is going to tell you where Vasya is, asked Luisa. She looked worried, too. We know where Vasya is, I explained. But we need this guy to use his KGB connections to help us get Vasily out of the asylum and out of the country. He's going to help you. Sure, I said. He has to. Otherwise, we go to the press with what we know about his money laundering and the illegal business deals, okay? The last thing this guy wants is journalists asking hard questions. Right, Leova? Lev was silent. We have no other choice, I continued. We can't go to the authorities. They're in bed with these people, and we're short on time. Lev, if you're not okay with this, said Louisa, we can call it off now. I'm okay, said Lev, throwing a cigarette butt in the gutter. Who said I'm not okay? I want to confront the bastard, too. It's way overdue. Great, I said. Let's get ready. It's almost time. I kissed Louisa. She got into the van's driver's seat, watching us through the windshield. Lev and I started walking towards the Paris Cafe. Still no sign of tractor. The rain had stopped. More and more pedestrians appeared out of nowhere, carrying umbrellas and hurrying to their offices. The streets began filling up with cars and trucks. As we turned the corner with the entrance to the Paris Cafe in view, Lev suddenly stopped in his tracks. He was pale and his forehead was covered in sweat. I stopped, too, and saw him shivering. Lev, what's the matter? Without saying a word, Lev turned around and started walking away from me. Lev, wait, wait. Lev's ignored my call, started jogging, and then broke into a full sprint. Lev, Leova, stop! I raced after him. Seeing us run down 10th Avenue, Louisa got out of the van and joined the chase. Lev zigzagged down the sidewalk through pedestrians and barely stopped for red lights at the intersections. Luis and I were both yelling at his back, pleading with him to stop. Finally, three blocks down the street, Lev stopped abruptly, unable to breathe, and dropped down on the sidewalk, his hands covering his eyes. When we reached him, he was gasping for air and sobbing. I can't do it, said Lev with a heartbreaking moan. 
just can't. I'm sorry, Luke. I'm so sorry. Don't worry, Louisa said breathlessly, kneeling down next to him. You don't have to do anything. You've been through enough. She pulled out her blouse and wiped Lev's tears away with the hem. As she comforted him, she looked over at me, silently pleading with her eyes to call the whole thing off. Friends, I have hope now, for the first time in my life. Hope. I want to live. I want to be free from people like Tractor. I don't even know if Vasya is still alive. Lev's voice wobbled. Oh God, what am I saying? Louisa put her arm around Lev's shoulder and gave him a hug. I looked at my watch. It was 6.55. I couldn't stop now. All right, I told them. You two wait for me in the van. This won't take long. I turned around and walked back to the Paris Cafe to confront Tractor. Chapter 59 When I got back to the entrance of the diner, there was a tall guy in a black suit standing outside the place wearing sunglasses. He was a conspicuous homo sovieticus erectus security man, stationed there to look over everybody going in and coming out of the place. I put on my reading glasses and bought a newspaper at the corner kiosk. As I walked up the three steps to the Paris Café, the guy stared at me with a stony face, dismissing me immediately as a harmless intellectual. I sat down at the breakfast counter and ordered a cup of coffee and a toasted bagel. Over the edge of my New York Times, I spotted Tractor sitting by himself in a red leather booth, reading the New York Post and eating an omelet with home fries. There was a steady procession of people coming in, ordering takeout and hurrying off to work. I took a sip of coffee and a bite of bagel, awaiting my chance to approach. Suddenly, I spotted Tractor getting up and walking back to the restrooms. Sensing this was my moment, I put down the paper, stood up, and walked back to the restrooms as well. In the back hallway, the door to the men's toilet was shut tight. I saw the delivery entrance that opened up on the back alley at the end of the hallway, and I quickly devised a new plan. I could feel the adrenaline start pumping through my veins. I waited for a few more moments, then I knocked on the men's room door. Not finished yet, I heard from inside. I knocked again. Not finished, I said. I knocked one more time. The door to the men's room opened wide. Hey, asshole, said Tractor, not recognizing me. Said I'm not finished yet. Yes, you are, Kravtsov, I said, pushing him back into the men's room and closing the door. He reached for a gun in his pocket and I delivered a hard punch to his liver that doubled him over. I grabbed his gun, a 9mm Beretta, put it on the sink, and took out the pair of rainy day handcuffs I'd brought along to the party. Another hard punch to his chest, and he submitted to my cuffing his hands together behind his back, rendering him harmless. I pushed him down to the floor with my foot on his neck, holding up the Beretta. At first, he didn't recognize me. What do you want? He babbled. Who are you? He took a closer look at my face, and his eyes widened in disbelief. You, said Tractor, the lawyer. That's right, Kravtsov, it's me. Welcome to America, I said, waving his Beretta around. Hey, bursting into toilets to assault people is a trick I learned from you. I crouched down close to his face. How does it feel on the receiving end? This is bullshit, mumbled Tractor. By the power of American common law, you are under citizen's arrest, I said. Now get up and keep quiet. You can't do this all, Tractor started to say. I punched him hard in the solar plexus, which shut him up. If you threaten me in my own country, I'll put a hole in your balls, I said, dangling the Beretta over his crotch. That gets his attention. I pulled him up off the floor, slipped the Beretta into my back pocket, and opened the men's room door. Quickly, I guided him out of the delivery entrance to the alleyway where Luisa and Lev were waiting in the kosher deli van. 
Seeing Tractor come out in handcuffs with me, pushing him forward, elicited panicked looks from both Lev and Louisa. Open the back of the van, I told Lev. As soon as Lev opened the van's cargo door, I pushed Tractor inside and jumped in too, taking my place on a jump seat in the back. Drive, I called out to Louisa. The van took off like an Italian sports car. Where to, she asked. Take the Lincoln Tunnel, I'll explain once we're in New Jersey. We rode along in silence, no one daring to utter a word. Tractor quickly regained his composure. What do you want from me, he asked. I need your cooperation, I told him. I knew you were CIA. I'm not CIA. I'm not FBI either. I'm FYA. What's FYA? FYA is fuck you, asshole, if you don't help us. We're going to make your American existence a living nightmare. Where are we going, asked Louisa. Port Jersey. Why Port Jersey? Because it's nice and quiet over there. We can do anything we want with our Russian friend. I looked directly into Kravtsov's hardened eyes. There'll be no witnesses. I pointed Tractor's Beretta directly at his head. You have about 30 minutes to figure out how to locate and release our friend Vasily Verbitsky. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? Your goons tortured him. Tractor was staring at me with bewildered eyes, for he had always been the hunter, not the prey. The tables had been turned so abruptly that he was speechless. I repeat, Kravtsov, I said. You're going to cooperate with us. Otherwise, I'm going to throw your sorry ass into the Atlantic Ocean right in front of the Statue of Liberty so she can take a dump on you while you drown. What are you doing, Luke said Lev. Have you gone mad? Maybe, I said. But we're not going to let Vasily down. Louisa said nothing as she focused on the road, looking at me worriedly in the rearview mirror. I returned her glances with a look of confidence, though I was still not sure what to do. Lev sat up front in the shotgun seat and was silent as well. He turned around regularly to check out the incredible sight of tractors sprawled on his stomach with his hands cuffed behind his back in the van. It smelled of pastrami and smoked fish back there. Lev's eyes shone with a mixture of fear and revenge. I reached over and patted him on the shoulder for comfort. Look at your tractor now, Lev. We did it. He grabbed my hand and shook it proudly. Now what, Lev says. Port Jersey is a large, flat, empty expanse of marshland next to the Hudson Raritan Estuary, dominated by the big cargo dock with its railroad cars, its stacks of containers being unloaded from freighters from all around the world, and its rows of gigantic cranes looking like a monstrous tribe of mechanical praying mantises. Past the port, Louisa pulled the van off the main road onto a gravel and drove us into a marshy area near the bay. Seagulls were circling above the water. There was a signpost that said this desolate area was a bird sanctuary for terns. The van stopped, engine idling, near a wooden pier on weathered pillars jutting out into the bay. I looked at the now silent tractor, the strangest birds I'd ever encountered in captivity, and then exchanged quick glances with Louisa and Lev. The only sound was the pitter-patter of rain that rolled over this isolated sliver of New Jersey coastline. Turn off the motor, I said to Louisa. I waited for a few minutes until the rain subsided and opened the van's back door. Then I slipped the Beretta onto my black coat and got out of the vehicle. I saw a thick black tire iron in the van and picked it up. Get out, Kravtsov, I said, tapping the iron against the bottom of his shoe. Now we're going to get to the truth, one way or another. Obeying my orders, Tractor slithered out the door with his hands cuffed behind his back 
When he felt the ground with his feet, he stood up. Louisa and Lev came around to the back of the van and stood on either side of me. Tractor's small, venomous eyes looked the three of us over, and like a trapped animal, he quickly scanned the terrain for an escape route. No longer the infamous tractor, right? I said. Here you can't bully innocent people, Comrade Kravtsov, and beat them up until they say what you want. You've got the wrong person, he said. My name is Ivanov, Alexander Ivanov. Sure, and I'm Anna Pavlova, said Lev. We know about the fake name you go under at your American company, and we know about your phony businesses. I held up the tire iron in a menacing way, waving at a tractor. Maybe for the first time in his life, Kravtsov felt a twitch of fear coursing his evil veins. Now you are going to tell us where you put Vasily Verbitsky, or do I have to beat it out of you? There was a long moment of silence, and then abruptly Tractor changed his tone. Okay, I'll tell you whatever you want, but then you've got to let me go. I don't think you're in any position to negotiate, Kravtsov, I said, poking him in the chest with a tire iron. Verbitsky was farmed, Tractor said, finally spitting it out like poison, though managing a little malevolent smile. We tried to keep him alive. What do you mean you tried, Lev yelled out. He's dead. Verbitsky cut his own wrists. There's nothing I can do about him now. By the way, he was a drug addict and an alcoholic. There are records to prove that it was a suicide. Lev and I looked at each other in shock. Lev took a deep breath and closed his eyes in pain, bending over as if struck by lightning. We don't give a damn about your records, Kravtsov, I said. They're full of manufactured lies anyway. We didn't know Verbitsky worked for you, said Tractor. Otherwise, we could have made some kind of arrangement. He wasn't working for anyone except his own country. We're ordinary people, not agents. I'm just a lawyer. Sure, ordinary people, said Tractor. And I'm a UNESCO ambassador. Tractor fixed Lev with a look of disgust but addressed me. What's he doing here anyway? What does this Gide work for you too? He's the one who signed all the papers on Verbitsky. We slapped him around a couple of times and he gave up everybody's name. He's lucky we let him go. Lev quickly stood up tall and put his face only a couple of inches from Tractor's. Don't talk to me like that, you piece of shit, Lev screamed at his nemesis. Who did this to me? Lev held up his right hand with his mangled finger. Your people forced me to sign that confession. I would not do anything against Vasya. He was my best friend. Lev clenched his hand into a trembling fist and brought it close to Kravtsov's face. You think because you pulled my fingernail out I'm afraid of you? I am not. Hear me? I am not afraid of bloodsuckers like you. Not anymore. It's you who should be afraid of me now. You have blood on your hands. I hate you and all your KGB monsters. Though filled with rage, Lev slowly lowered his fist, his lips shaking, his face contorted with anger, fear, and frustration. Thanks to all the years of nonviolent resistance, he could not bring himself to strike Tractor. Louisa took Lev's hand and hers to console him. Then she unexpectedly stepped forward and slapped Kravtsov hard across the face. That's from all of us, she said as Tractor's nose started bleeding a little. You're a murderer. Louisa couldn't believe her own hostility towards this perfect stranger. It caused her to burst into tears. Lev, stay in the van with Louisa. I'm going to take a walk with our KGB friend. No, I'm coming with you, said Louisa. No, you're not. Get in the van and start the engine. Please. Louisa did as I asked. She was not happy about leaving me alone with Tractor. I had the Beretta in my right hand, the tire iron in my left. Start walking, Kravtsov, I said. Up on the pier. 
Tractor obeyed. With me right behind him, he slowly walked up the ramp onto the pier, gazing around the marshland, hoping one of his security guards would show up and save him. Kravtsov must have been cursing them in his mind because he knew he was at our mercy. At the same time, he was trying to guess my next move. Was I going to bludgeon him with the tire iron or shoot him with his own pistol? I walked him right to the end of the pier. There I removed the cuffs and turned him around to face me, getting all his attention by aiming the beretta at his chest. Kravtsov, do you remember that speech you gave me on the border between Serbia and Romania? Expressionless tractor was waiting for me to shoot him. No? Well, I do. I pointed the tire iron westward, keeping my eyes on tractor without blinking once. This is America, our land, our home. Your corrupt country is way over there. I pointed the tire iron eastward. That's where you kill people who disagree with your regime. We don't eat each other over here, okay? We take care of each other. Americans live peacefully because we're free. Free, you hear me? And we don't want people like you here. You do not belong. You can't get away with your illegal business bullshit in our country. And you can't benefit from laws that protect our freedom-loving people. Take your fucking business and go back to your own twisted communist country. You drove Vasya to death. You and your scum secret police. Tractor's face was frozen. He was watching me like a mountain cat ready to pounce. I cocked the Beretta just in case he thought he could jump me. Make a move and I'll kill you like the stray dog you are, Kravtsov, I said. I'm not finished telling you what I think of you. You've been killing the best and the brightest people in your country for decades. And now you turn up in our country? To do what? To make money? Go back where you came from, don't ever come back, or we're going to expose your criminal activities. I can't go back home, Kravtsov said. Why is that? Because the new Russian government under Yeltsin is after me. Are you working with them too? Listen, Kravtsov. Everywhere you look, you only see secret agents. Here, people work for decency and truth. Maybe they fight corruption or help the underprivileged or teach people about freedom, and you label them all foreign agents and try to get rid of them. There's no more USSR, and yet you're exactly the same tyrants, just dressed in business suits. You'll never change. You're good, said Tractor, with the same raspy, menacing voice, even though cornered like a rat. I have to admit, you're very good. I'm telling you I'm not an agent. We're ordinary citizens who decided to make a difference, not put up with your totalitarian bullshit. Why is it so difficult for you to comprehend? Okay, Mr. Robin Hood, said Tractor. You know what I comprehend? That you're too weak to shoot me. With that, Kravtsov let out a wicked laugh and dove backwards into the sea. Motionless, I watched him start swimming away from the pier floating on his back, kicking with his feet. I took aim at him with the pistol, but I knew I'd never pull the trigger. I angrily threw Tractor's Beretta into the bay and watched it sink out of sight. I hope a shark eats you, I called out. We will meet again, Tractor shouts back. I walked back to the van and got in. Somebody with a boat will pick him up, I explained. Can't believe you let him go, said Lev. He deserved to be punished. It's not my job, it's the government's. And the only way to make that happen is through the press. Nick is getting a reporter to publish a story in the Washington Post using all your research. No one in their right mind would want to do business with Tractor and his pals anymore. They're going to have their hands full defending themselves in court against federal indictments. That man is evil, said Louisa, starting the van's engine. 
glad it's over. He will be back left alone and know it. 